Hello and welcome to Cultist Diaries, where I will be talking about my life and experiences growing up in the nameless cult, also known as the 2x2s, the friends. You know it, you love it. Here we go. I don't even know where to begin. So, I grew up in this, I don't know, religious organization. It's very secretive. Uh, I heard somewhere on the internet that it's one of the largest secretive religious organizations in Australia. It's a cult with no name. If you ask anyone in it, you know what what's the what's the name of your religion? What's the name of your belief system? They say, well, we have no name because Jesus never gave us one. But of course, um it goes by many names, no official name. Many refer to it as the nameless cult, the two by twos, the friends. They call it the two-by-twos because the, um, the higher-ups, the priests, call them what you want to call them. We call them the workers. They travel in twos, partners, man and a man, or woman and woman. They'll travel around doing, you know, missionaries, that sort of activities. Trying to enlist people, find people to join. They also host um, meetings. They host meetings on Wednesday nights, sometimes Thursday nights, known as gospel meetings. Where they talk about the gospel. Anyone, anyone can come in. But it is mostly populated by the friends. Friends meaning members of the truth as it's also known as. I grew up in this. My parents grew up in this. Of course, it was introduced to their grandparents. I mean, their parents in one way or another. But, um, many claim that, many claim that this originated from the first gathering in a home that Jesus had. And, um, that's just it's just dead wrong um i mean if 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 i were to ask for any kind of evidence any paper any note about this existing in you know 18 1890s kind of thing just didn't exist this was started in early 1900s by um some guy called william irvine and uh, one of the top dogs, Edward Cooney. They were both expelled after about 10 years of this of this cult created. I don't truly understand the purpose, but they claim to be following the truth, the way. And they claim all other religions are false religions. All other Christians, this is a Christian face, all other Christians are wrong. This is the way. It, uh, at first sight, you know, it seems, 
seems pretty innocent. Just a bunch of people doing their thing. If you delve deeper, there's many child abuse issues. And um, it gets weirder when we look at the international conventions. A convention, as they call it, is a thing where many of the smaller gatherings will gather into one large meeting on a property typically owned by one of the friends and um they'll stay there for four days three nights that's three meetings every single day boy did i have to go to quite a few of these in my day i had to miss school events fun school fairs to go to this four-day thing happens around may some in the summer we go to multiple some years and we stay there you stay overnight and all the men sleep in this big room you know big room just stacked with beds have you ever seen a war movie it's kind of like that all the all the beds just in one big hall and so we're having kids sleeping next to old guys they typically have like a another section for like seniors but and they'd have same goes for women women's quarters they'd have an eating quarters right massive tent like circus tent to hold all the people and they would eat it i remember um getting to see in the kitchen there and it was like it's like out of a cartoon you know like they had a massive old witch's cauldron making a crap ton of eggs to serve for everyone it was it was something else um but for the meetings themselves it's these massive massive meetings probably thousands probably i'd say probably two thousand people is my estimate in this big circus tent lined with benches all facing towards a stage where two workers sit one stands and preaches about his findings and thoughts about the bible they even held actual baptisms at these conventions they held them on the saturday mornings i believe all you'd have to do is go talk to one of the workers to say yo i want to get baptized and then rise up sunday morning we'd all everyone who attended of course because it was early in the morning would walk towards the pond that would inevitably be on the property and they'd sing hymns as they go along hymns old and new that book i'm sure you know it if you know this cult they'd be singing hymns they'd gather in this big circle around the pod i'm sure every convention did it slightly differently sing hymns and then of course a worker would be in the pod knees deep and if you were to be baptized you walk on down there they'd full-on dunk you underwater just like in you know in the movies documentaries old stuff they really did it <laughs> And the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost. And then they dump you down 
straight in the water. I remember watching my dad do that. It was quite a sight, you know. Something funny is they, um, because of their system, they don't really have much meaning to baptizing. Usually you'd consider baptizing your your devotion to God. But in this religion, they have a thing called professing. Not in the Bible, even though they claim everything they do comes from the Bible. This is not in the Bible. We're um, in, uh, in a convention on the third night, Saturday night, following the morning baptisms. Um, and the last hymn, if you want to profess, meaning claim to devote your life, you just stand up during that hymn. And everyone looks around, everyone looking every which way to see who's going to do it. And then they see you standing. I remember the tears in my mom's eyes when I stood up. And um, it was was a strange experience. I remember I did it around 13. I remember I felt like I had made a horrible, horrible mistake. I felt just dread all over me. You know, and um, it was something else. But um, for some reason they have this profession. So it, 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 it makes baptism have no meaning. So I really don't understand they talk about it all the time and try to explain what baptism is. They're like, oh, it's, it's symbolic of being a new man, blah, blah, blah. They never gave a real answer or a reason. But um, after professing, of course, that was the last hymn. So I sit back down and then my crying parents, you know, so proud of me, hug me, talk to me say, wow, you'll never regret this. This is the best decision you'll ever make in your entire life. <sighs> I walked out of there. Of course, the workers, they spot you. They spot you out when, you're, when you stand up. They hunt you down because they want to talk to you, congratulate you. So I headed over to the meeting, not the meeting, the eating tent. Because uh, after after the third meeting, they'd always serve uh, donuts and snacks and desserts that people brought. Boy, those, the, huh. if there was anything good, it was definitely those donuts. <laughs> and uh, we'd have, you know, I went over there sitting down, eating my donut and drink with my pal. And, um, of course, the workers would come over, they'd have to shake your hand, give you a few words. I was just kind of scared. Because professing, not only does it mean your devotion to God, it also means you must now truly do something. That is, um, speaking about your thoughts during meetings, during the Sunday morning meetings, 10.30, in someone's home, no church. I should have specified that earlier, but there are, there are no churches because this is, this is a cult. We meet in 
the members' houses, just in their living room, just in a circle. Everyone whips out their Bible, you know, we all sit down in complete silence. Some people will be reading their Bible, some people sit there twiddling their fingers until 10.30 strikes. Bam, we open with our hymn, and we go around the circle, saying prayers, another hymn, and then testimonies, testimony time, where you give your thoughts about God, about your life, about the Bible, anything. So professing meant... I have to now participate in that. I have to pray in front of these people. I have to talk in front of these people. It meant I needed to start reading the Bible. Something I had never read, only being read to by my parents. So I was terrified. And I just felt I just felt horrible. I felt like Lava was dripping down out of my very soul. I felt scared, terrified. But I, you know, I tried it out. I'd read a chapter or something. I didn't know what it even meant, old English. You know, 13-year-old. I just play video games all day. I don't know what I'm talking about. Who knows? Who knows what I said? You know, I was talking about Job, how I want to aspire to be as, as resilient as him, you know. That was the first time I spoke. But um, it just uh, kind of went downhill from there, in a way, where I'd be so stressed about talking in meetings. I would not read my Bible until the morning of and scour through to a random page, find a random line, and try to come up with something to talk about. You know, my pro tip was I had a little Bible, special Bible, with red text for the things Jesus would talk about. Boy, oh boy. You just find one of those, bam. Easiest thing of my life. You just flip through, find it, find something to talk about. I'd find two, maybe two things I wanted to learn from that, and I'd write it on a sticky note, hold it in my hand, and then just read it off, play it off, off as if um, I'd memorized it. Cause this is, uh, I just wasn't ready. I felt like I, I felt like I needed to be a part of this. When I did, really didn't know what I was doing. And. Um, so slowly but surely, I stopped speaking in meetings because I couldn't take it anymore. It was all I could think about. It was it just the fear of Sunday morning meeting coming. Man. So I stopped. I would only just pray in the meetings. I stopped speaking. Slowly, that died out too. You know, I got girlfriend that wasn't going to the meetings made me think made me think about things more started um I got some friends you know in high school in high school I got some friends that um were you know a little more a little more atheist a little more um progressive one might say 
a lot of them were gay. Of course, this, of course, of course, the, uh, these people don't believe in that. That's sinful. That's evil. That's horrible. But, uh, I didn't, I didn't like that. You know, there, there was always a saying of thy will, not mine, you know, God's will, not mine. So I, you know, I, I took that and ran with it. I'm like, okay, well, he doesn't, he doesn't uh, agree with gay people. <laughs> Maybe I do. And so in that, I found my loophole where I can appreciate these people for who they are and not have a problem with it, even though my religious views may differ. I kind of wanted to, to prove to myself that I was different. To prove to myself that I didn't uh, have this resentment towards these people like that and towards the, the gay people, that is. So I, I had this large friend group. A lot of a lot of girls, and a lot of them were gay. A lot of people, of course, at the school thought I was gay because I was talking to gay girls, but... So that was, of course, a very interesting experience for me. Um, I guess that's what uh, started me on, on this path of thinking, maybe this is a little odd, you know? And it, it had always been hard to explain to people what my belief was. And how to explain it. I can't just say, oh yeah, I go to church. Because, honey, this ain't church. This ain't church at all. Um, I just, uh, so, you know, most of the time I'd say church. My brother would say, oh, we're meeting family. Because, uh, you know, he'd consider the friends our family. And, and he's not lying. So, uh, for whatever reason, that didn't click in my head. Maybe this is a little strange. I remember... Trying to explain it to a very close friend of mine, Calm Craig, and um, cause uh, <laughs> I'd get I get my hair cut by some lady working out of her basement, you know, unrelated, and then, then I, you know, I'd explain to him that we hold our meetings in people's basements and living rooms. <laughs> Easily, he goes, "What is it with you and meeting and?" Going in people's basements. It's so weird. You know, you know, I like, hmm, that is kind of strange, eh? You know, my parents always told me, they always told me this is the truth. This is the way. It's different because it's right. It's different because the people have churches. They're going against God. Jesus never told them to build a church. No. It's a it's a weird thing coming to this realization that maybe everything you've been taught that is the truth isn't actually isn't actually the truth. This is just a self-righteous cult. So anyways, you know, I make friends with um with these gay people. 
and I lived in fear. I lived in fear of them, you know, finding out and understanding my religious views about them. Even though I cared about them deeply, you know, I thought the second they'd, um, they'd figure it out, they'd hate me, turn on me, and I would have new friends. So I lived in fear all the time. I think this is what started or continued the path of realizing what is really the truth. I lived in fear. It made me question, you know, what am I doing? Why do I have to be in fear? But it, it was really just a seed. I wasn't consciously questioning. It was a seed, subconscious. And I started dating this girl who was a part of that group. Boy, oh boy, that went wrong. You know, I put on... I ended up putting on this image of myself to be who she wanted me to be. I felt like I was trapped in, like trapped in a cave, you know, holding on to this glimpse of, this glimpse of, 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 of emotional connection. Because I hadn't had many friends growing up, you know, don't want to be too worldly. You want to have your priorities straight. Be with God. Talk to Jesus. Be alone with God. So I didn't... Whether that's the only reason, probably not. I was also very shy. But I didn't have so many friends. I didn't have strong emotional connection. So I held on to this. And I, I made myself the person she wanted so that I can stay there. And, you know, it made me think. It made me question, you know, because I wanted, I wanted a girlfriend and I wanted to do that kind of stuff, which is, of course, not, not in compliance with the truth or the way. So, I guess that's when I started to think, you know, why do I believe in this? Do I not? It was so, it was so hard. It was so hard trying to deal with that. You know, in the, in the truth, they always talk about doubting. Please, God, help me to not doubt, you know, and how it's difficult so I thought maybe this is just my, my pure doubt. And so I hang on. I hung on. Even though I I wasn't reading the Bible. I hated going to the meetings. You know, I'm hanging on. Even though I'm still doing girlfriend things, teenager things. Eventually that ends. We break up. I lost interest. And eventually... The image falls down. The image drops of this person I pretended to be. And all that was left is, <laughs> who am I for real? Who will I be? 
I don't know. I don't know. It's, uh, it was around COVID. Start of COVID, I guess. Is when that happened. So, it was isolation. Isolation with just myself. And it was really just myself. Because when we broke up, she, of course, told everyone. She told everyone about my ideas, beliefs. She told them that I hated gay people, which wasn't true. She told them I was a racist, which wasn't true. All kinds of lies. And so it was even worse than I could imagine. They all dropped me. So I was left with me, myself, and I. Who am I going to be? What am I going to do? That's why, you know, I thought, you know, I don't believe in this. I don't believe in this crap anymore. Learn about evolution in high school during that time. During the COVID ages. And, uh, you know, I realized, <laughs> you know, I gave, I, I, I really gave it an honest shot. You know, I'd always been closed-minded. And, you know, I, I saw this as my opportunity to really see what is this all about. Why, when I learned about that, when I was presented with the evidence and learned about all this, you know, I realized how evolution is real. How does that play into the truth? It doesn't. It just doesn't. It just doesn't. So I stopped. I stopped believing. I couldn't stop going to the meetings. I couldn't out of fear of how my parents would see me. I thought, you know, they'd be ashamed because the truth, the friends, the way, they've devoted their life to it. I say multiple names every time because it doesn't have a true official name. They devoted their life to this. They've been in this 20 years plus, you know. They grew up with it. More than 20 years, my goodness, like their whole lives. And see their kid not go to meetings. To them, like in their eyes, they see their baby boy burning in hell. Because that's, that's what it's all about, you know. You either, you either serve God, follow the rules, or you burn. Eternal anguish. So I kept going, even though I hated it, and up building up resentment to my parents. Started doing drugs. That was partly to prove to myself that that I no longer believed, because I was willing to commit this sin. Partly to. Uh, to numb the pain of the shame I felt. I felt ashamed and guilty. And um, 
quarantine was, uh, you know, blessing <laughs> and a curse, a blessing, because it's what brought me to break up with that girl, to, you know, have to look inward, have to see what I believe, what I think, and here I am, you know, quarantine, when we'd quarantine, the workers wouldn't be able to hold their their gospel meetings, you know, quarantine, COVID. So I didn't have to go to meetings for months on end, and it was great. And so when uh, whenever quarantine would end, um, and have to go again, you know, I'd be I'd be getting high to go to the meetings just to pass the time, and I ended up building resentment. Um, towards my parents, you know, just treat them like garbage. I'm really not happy about that. Don't like that I did that, but it just happened on its own. Because I just hated that I had to go to these meetings because I couldn't admit to them. I still haven't. I still haven't. I'm still... You know, I don't go to the meetings, though. I, you know, I made excuses. I'd sleep in all day, stay up all night so that I could sleep through them. And slowly, you know, they stopped asking if they stopped asking me to go. I guess they kind of know in a way because of how resentful I had become. And, you know, it's it's good. I talk to them more. I'm happy talking to them. There's just a line I don't want to cross. And there are, you know, there's other people out there, I'm sure, with the same experience. With maybe not as loving parents as mine. Maybe parents who would reject them toss them out I, I sure I yearn and hope those people find a way out I found my way out anyways this was just a brief brief in introduction talk about what it was like um I could talk about it more on another episode. I do hope. I do hope you enjoyed this. I hope it was interesting. It's my first go at this. So if you liked it, follow, you know, share with your friends. Hope to see you on the, on the next one. See you later.